For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to SteelDealers.com. Now... Here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. Do naked mole rats hold the key to the fountain of youth? It sounds incredible, but it just might be true. Scientists working at the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom are trying to figure out why naked mole rats are the Methuselahs of mice. Methuselah, for those of you who skipped Sunday school, is the oldest person in the Bible. He was taken to heaven at the ripe old age of 969, and naked mole rats aren't too far off. While your average rat might live one or two years, naked mole rats can live as many as 30. To put that in human perspective, if Homo sapiens had a cousin with that kind of longevity, they'd live to be about 450 in human years. One University of Cambridge scientist told the BBC that he's never seen a mole rat die of natural causes. In captivity, they're more likely to die in a fight with another mole rat than of any kind of disease. In the wild, snakes are their biggest concern. Their habitat in underground burrows helps them avoid cold and rain, but scientists say these amazing little creatures don't exhibit signs of aging. Even when naked mole rats get older, they don't appear to experience significant changes in cardiac function, body composition, bone quality, or metabolism. If humans were like naked mole rats, we'd also be immune to cancer. It's unclear whether this is the result of their genetics or of their environment, but scientists are understandably curious. Some think naked mole rats have an anti-cancer mechanism called cellular senescence. This is an evolutionary adaptation that prevents damaged cells from multiplying and turning into cancer. Another theory suggests that naked mole rats secrete a complex, quote, super sugar that stops cells from clumping together and forming tumors. 
Still, another theory suggests that the naked mole rats and microenvironment is preventing the disease. That'd be like a uh, nature versus nurture situation. Whatever is causing their longevity, I think I speak for everyone when I say that I hope the cure for cancer doesn't make us all look like naked mole rats. These little critters look a bit like a small sausage wrapped in the skin from your grandpa's bald head. You know, like when he really squints at you. They have faces like Voldemort, they don't have eyes to speak of, and they chew with four outsized buck teeth. The good news, unlike a lot of the animals we cover on this podcast, is that naked mole rats aren't threatened or endangered. In fact, some studies suggest that they may help their local ecosystem. They live in burrows and colonies underneath the semi-arid grasslands in eastern Africa. One recent study found that these burrows might help biodiversity by excavating the soil bringing nutrients to the surface and allowing water to penetrate deeper underground. Will naked mole rats allow our grandchildren to live to be 450? Maybe, maybe not. But in the meantime, we can keep learning about one of the coolest and, uh, you know, takes mother the loveliest critters on the planet. The boy who lived, come to This week, we've got foreign affairs, legislation, ancient man, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, well, it's been packed. I'm currently writing to you from 65 degree Mosquitoes Are Out, Arkansas, where I was hosted by the Whitaker family to try my hand at real green timber Arkansas razorback duck hunting. My biggest surprise of the week, it's gorgeous. Those flooded woods are beautiful as the sun comes up. Super fun, and you'll see this one on a future waterfowl episode at TheMeatEater.com. I guess my second biggest surprise, Arkansas is tamale country. Been pigging out on homemade duck tamales. Who knew? I didn't. Oh, one more thing. The dogs use tree stands. That's a fun one. Take an old climbing tree stand, stick it on a tree so the dog can have a spot out of the water. Yeah, new one on me. I was thinking the other day, Arkansas is such whitetail country that even the Labrador retrievers use tree stands. Squirrel! All right, tons to cover. Montanans, or folks who like to hunt elk or hunt in general in Montana, perk up your ears. No person's hunting opportunity is safe when the state legislature is in session. If you care about the future of wildlife management and our access to the great outdoors, please join us at the Montana Capitol Building on Tuesday, January 24th at 11.30 in the a.m. for Elk Camp at the Capitol. Celebrate the legacy and share the future. This is our day to remind lawmakers that Montanans seek solutions, not conflict, to improve wildlife management, public access, and our cherished hunting opportunities. You can RSVP at www.montanaelk.org. There's complimentary bus transportation available from Billings, Bozeman, Livingston, and Missoula. Again, if you care about the future of wildlife management and our access to the great outdoors, make some time, be there. It's a rally. You can wear your hunting garb, BS with hunters, Talk about the issues that are going on right now in the great state of Montana, and we'll take care of the transportation. Be there, let your voice be heard, now's the time to make it happen. Moving on to a packed foreign affairs desk. 
The state of Western Australia has banned recreational fishing of demersal fish species for six months out of the year. Now, if you like to play Scrabble with your grandma like I do, demersal would be a great word to remember. Demersal fish are bottom-feeding species that include popular recreational fish like grouper, snapper, and dewfish. Fisheries Minister Don Punch told reporters that the ban is designed to help avoid a complete closure of the fishery. This is about the sustainability of this fish for the future. And if we don't act now, if we don't put these measures in place, then we may well be facing a much more challenging situation in two or three years' time that could even lead to the closure of the fishery. The new ban closes the fishery to recreational anglers from February to March, from August to the beginning of September and October, school holidays, and the end of the school holidays until December 15th, beginning on February 1st. The new regs also impose a limit of four demersal fish per boat. The original plan released last year called for a nine-month closure of the fishery, but recreational anglers are still understandably upset. Charter boats and the accompanying restaurants, hotels, and tackle shops make up a huge part of the coastal economy on Western Australia's 8,000 miles of coastline. While many agree that the long-term health of the fishery needs to be protected, they would have liked to see bag limits reduced as opposed to a total fishery closure. Hunters in France are also facing new restrictions, but it doesn't look like those new regs will be as bad as some had feared. Hunting has become a point of contention in France following several accidental shootings over the last few years. Anti-hunting activists had hoped for a total hunting ban on Sundays, but it doesn't look like Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron is ready to alienate that many rural constituents quite yet. The ecology minister announced proposed reforms that would outlaw hunting under the influence of alcohol and drugs and provide extra protections for walkers and residents in areas used by hunters. In case you're wondering, and I know you are, consuming alcohol and drugs while hunting in the United States is not a game violation in many states. However, discharging a firearm while under the influence will land you in jail pretty darn quick. It's also worth pointing out that just like in the U.S., hunting is safer than it's ever been in France. Hunting accidents have declined over the past 20 years, but the accidents that do occur are widely publicized. Moving across the channel, England's Labour Party, which they like to spell L-A-B-O-U-R, is calling for stricter laws surrounding fox hunting. Fox hunting has been banned in England and Wales since 2004, but simulated hunts still occur throughout the country. A sock laced with fox urine is dragged through the woods, and the dogs follow the scent until they reach the trail's end. Trail hunting, as this has come to be called, is a sad substitute for the real thing, but it allowed hunting clubs to retain their infrastructure, hounds, and some of their traditions. Anyway, the anti-hunting contingent in England's parliament isn't satisfied with the current ban. They claim some clubs are using trail hunting as a smokescreen for actual fox hunts. And they say there haven't been enough convictions under the 2004 bill. Even though trail hunting was billed as an acceptable substitute back in 2004, anti-hunting activists now want to ban the sport as well. Staying in jolly old England, the former head gamekeeper to the Earl of Shaftesbury found himself in hot water recently after officials raided his home and found dead buzzards and poison. 
Paul Allen pleaded guilty to seven wildlife-related offenses after police discovered six dead buzzards, the remains of three more buzzards, and bottles of cyanide and strychnine, which kind of takes the mystery out of the old uh, Arthur Conan Doyle's, you know, mystery novels. When everyone has strychnine and cyanide around, it's like, uh, there's bound to be a murder. The donut hole has a hole in it, Senna. It is not a donut hole, but a smaller donut with its own hole. Anyway, they had launched an investigation following the discovery of a dead red kite near the Earl's home. A dead rat was also found near the body, and officials believe the rat was laced with the poison in an attempt to kill the kite. As all good British gamekeepers know, buzzards and kites kill and eat partridges and pheasants, which gamekeepers are charged with protecting. Alan had apparently been trying to keep his game birds safe by removing birds of prey from the landscape. While upland hunters can sympathize with Alan's mindset, killing predatory birds is illegal in pretty much every country with well-managed wildlife populations. No surprise here that the gamekeeper is getting the shafts, Barry, on this one, and not the Earl himself. Over in Sweden, hunters have embarked on the country's biggest wolf cull in recent history, and the European Union isn't happy. Swedish wildlife officials concluded that hunters can take 75 wolves from a total population of about 460. The hunt began on January 2nd and runs through the end of the month. Hunters can take wolves in several areas where they've been deemed to pose a risk to farmers, livestock, and residents. Opponents of the hunt say that removing so many wolves will threaten the entire population. They argue that the number of wolves will drop during the winter anyway, and the isolated population isn't genetically diverse enough to withstand the blow. Politico reports that these activists are hoping the European Union will step in to stop future hunts. The Swedish Environmental Protection Agency argues that it only needs to keep its population above 300 to avoid running afoul of EU laws but the Union has twice sent formal warnings to Sweden over its wolf culls. The EU has stopped short of referring the country to the Court of Justice, but they say they're monitoring the situation closely. Wolves have been extinct in Japan since 1905, but the small island nation is facing another set of wildlife challenges, some of which will sound familiar to those of us in North America. Rural depopulation, urban sprawl, and an aging hunter class has increased human-wildlife conflict and resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars in agricultural damage. Wild boar and deer are the main culprits, but according to a great report in the Japan Times, residents are turning to technology to address these issues. Hunting drones, for example, are fitted with speakers that play the sound of dogs barking to scare deer and pigs within range of hunter shotguns. Some drones are even outfitted with fireworks in case the dog sounds aren't scary enough. Other farmers have dispatched a robot whose name translates in English to Monster Wolf. This contraption looks a bit like one of those werewolf costumes on wheels. It has red eyes, a shaggy gray coat, and the wheelbase is covered in foliage. It's apparently pretty effective. So much so that the inventor is now working with carmaker Suzuki to produce a four-wheeled mobile version of the mechanical beast called the Wolf Mover, that can patrol designated areas autonomously. Japan has been forced to resort to technological solutions, in part because their hunter population has shrunk and aged significantly. After peaking at 518,000 in 1975, 
the total number of hunters in Japan is now only about 200,000, and 60% are over the age of 60. Now listen up, Japanese listeners. If you're needing some younger legs to go after deer and boar, I have an idea. One of those drones costs about $12,000, but a plane ticket from Bozeman, Montana to Tokyo is only about $2,000. So, for all of my Japanese listeners, again, if anyone wants to fly me out to Japan, host me for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, I'd be happy to offer my services. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. We'll end today's foreign affairs desk with a story we've been tracking closely over the last few years. Italy is facing a serious wild boar problem. Pigs have been feasting on garbage, disrupting traffic, and stealing paninis from park goers in Rome. Officials have hoped that the growing wolf population can keep the pigs in check, but now Italy's ruling coalition wants to let human predators in on the action by loosening hunting regulations in urban areas. 
The measure was included in the country's draft 2023 budget, and it would allow the capture and culling of wild animals in protected areas by wildlife officials and licensed private hunters. The farmers' lobby welcomed the proposal, but Green Party leaders vowed to fight it. They say it goes against the Italian Constitution and EU nature conservation rules. I have to think that the country that invented prosciutto, pancetta, and lardo, pig hunting would be kind of a national sport. Maybe city pigs that live on garbage are slightly less appetizing, but it's hard to go wrong with cured meat. Moving on to the Ancient History Desk. Archaeologists at Oregon State University have uncovered what they say are the oldest known projectile points in North America. Thanks to Carl Kaufman for sending this one in. The 13 full and fragmentary projectile points were discovered in Idaho and range from about a half an inch to two inches long. Carbon-14 dating indicates that these points are roughly 15,700 years old. That's about 3,000 years older than the Clovis fluted points found throughout North America, and 2,300 years older than the points previously found at the same Cooper's Ferry site along the Salmon River. The slender projectile points are characterized by two distinct ends, one sharpened and one stemmed, as well as a symmetrical beveled shape it looked at head-on. They were likely attached to darts, and the leader of the research team says they could have been used to hunt both large and small game. These projectile points are similar to other points found in Hokkaido, Japan, dating to 16,000 to 20,000 years ago. Their presence in Idaho adds more detail to the hypothesis that there are early genetic and cultural connections between the Ice Age peoples of Northeast Asia and North America. It's also another nail in the coffin to what's known as the Clovis First Theory. According to this theory, the first people groups in the Americas came across the Bering Land Bridge around 13,000 years ago. They could be identified by their signature stone points, which we now know as Clovis points. But over the last few decades, that timeline has been pushed back farther and farther. Sites were found in the Americas dating between 14,000 and 18,000 years ago. And the latest site, known as the Hartley site, claims to have found evidence of humans dating back 37,000 years. These new projectile points don't seem to be quite that old, but they definitely predate Clovis. If you want to learn more, you can check out the article in the journal Science Advances. And another groundbreaking piece of anthropology, an independent researcher in London claims to have discovered the first examples of writing in the history of Homo sapiens. These Ice Age cave drawings appear to record the mating seasons of animals. Broken down into lunar months, they record and predict seasonal information to determine the times when animals would be most vulnerable, such as during the rut. They were essentially using cave paintings like we use trail cameras today, which is pretty stinking cool. Cave paintings frequently depict recognizable animals, but many during the European Upper Paleolithic period also include hash marks, dots, and Y-shaped markings. Archaeologists have noted these markings, and they've assumed that they were used as some kind of memory device, but until now, they haven't known exactly what those markings mean. Ben Bacon, a furniture conservator based in London, noticed these markings while admiring images of European cave art, and he started to develop a theory. Working with archaeologists at Durham University and the University College of London, he analyzed a database of more than 800 of these images and discovered a pattern that no one had ever noticed before. He realized that there are never more than 13 lines or dots in any image, which suggests that they denote lunar months. 
he also hypothesized that the Y symbol, which is one of the most frequently occurring signs in Paleolithic non-figurative art, has the meaning to give birth. When they tested their theory against the database, they found, quote, a remarkable degree of correlation between the lunar months indicated by the lines and dots and the mating and birthing behaviors of the animals depicted. They conclude, quote, our data indicate that the purpose of this system of associating animals with calendar information was to record and convey seasonal behavior information about specific prey taxa in the geographical regions of concern. If this theory holds water, which is a big if, it could represent the first examples of Homo sapien writing and demonstrate that these ancient humans were, quote, as cognitively advanced as we are, big shock, and that they are fully modern humans, Bacon told the outlet Motherboard. If it turns out that hunters invented writing to help themselves be successful, I honestly won't be surprised. The hunters I know are all obsessive enough to create a groundbreaking new technology if it gives them an edge in the tree stand. I don't know why our ancient ancestors would be any different. Here's just some, like, uh, thinking I've been doing on topics such as this. It's generally accepted that modern humans appeared 200,000 years ago. Our first mistake, for some reason, when talking about humans, we like to think that the modern form just showed up through a magical evolutionary process that evolves to a point, and then all of a sudden, at that point, it spits out the new form. And that new form exists until the next one pops out. Bing! You know, kind of like the microwave going off, and your popcorn kernels have transformed from little yellow seeds to fluffy white pillows. Never mind the fact that both get stuck in your teeth. It's odd to me that we don't presuppose that ancient humans wouldn't keep tabs on the natural world in such a basic way as to note when babies show up. Childbirth is a big deal. It was then too. Now, I don't know that for a fact, but I kind of do. Now, think about this. T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus Rex, the big dinosaur that we love to talk about, lived on this planet for as long as possibly three and a half million years. The super popular sport fish, the tarpon, they have been on this planet in the form that we know them today for possibly as long as 18 million years. Now, I'm not entirely sure why I think it's important enough to tell you this, other than when I'm out in the woods, I just absorb everything. I'm constantly taking mental notes of my surroundings and thinking back to this time last year. Was it like this? Am I seeing the same stuff? Why is this this way? Why are the birds flying that way? And maybe that type of thinking is because in context to the tarpon, as just another long-lived species, but one that's been here more than the blink of an eye that we, modern humans, have, I'm thinking in this way, I'm taking these notes, because we've got a lot to learn about the natural world, and we've got a long way to go. Moving on to the legislative desk. State legislatures are back in session, which means it's time to start tracking the hunting, fishing, and public land bills in your state. I'll do my best to stay on top of everything, but if you see something you think we need to address, send it over to ASKCAL. That's askaltemeateater.com. First up, in Wisconsin, lawmakers on the state's finance committee are blocking what would be the largest land conservation effort in Wisconsin history. The Conservation Fund is a national environmental conservation group 
They bought 70,000 acres of private forest land across northern Wisconsin in 2021 and called it the Pelican River Forest. They want to set it aside for recreational use, but they also plan to allow ongoing logging and commercial activities, aka a working forest. Lawmakers are objecting to the plan because they say that the agreement means that the land can never be developed in the future, which I think most supporters of the Pelican River Forest would say is exactly the point. We don't have a list of every legislator on the Joint Finance Committee who blocked the project, but Republican Senator Mary Felskowski has made her opposition public. She argues that conserving these parcels takes them off the tax roll, She also told Wisconsin Public Radio that the northern part of the state already has lots of public land and that local governments are worried about a lack of space to build new housing. The Pelican River Forest includes 68 miles of streams and 27,000 acres of forested wetlands, straddling the divide between the Lake Superior and Mississippi River basins. Some of this land will continue to be logged and contribute to the tax rolls, but Felskowski says the tax rates are lower than if the land remained entirely under private ownership. If you live in Wisconsin, it's time to put down your old-fashioned and your bratwurst and get involved in this one. The project can't move forward until the Joint Finance Committee schedules a meeting with the DNR to discuss the proposal, but so far they've refused to schedule that meeting. Get in touch with the members of the Joint Finance Committee and let them know what you think. You can find their contact info on the Wisconsin State Legislature's website or by going to themeateater.com forward slash cal. In Connecticut, HB 5077 would allow Sunday hunting on all state public land. Current regulations only allow archery deer hunting on Sundays, and this must take place at least 40 yards away from blazed hiking trails. There are a handful of states that still don't allow Sunday hunting on public and private land, All of these states are on the eastern seaboard and include Maine, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. If you live in one of these states, be on the lookout for bills similar to this one from Connecticut. They get introduced every year, and they just need enough support from you to get them across the finish line. In North Dakota, HB 1151 would prohibit the state game and fish department from banning baiting deer for lawful hunting even though the state's chronic wasting disease plan calls for baiting bans in certain instances, this bill would strip that authority from the biologists at the North Dakota Game and Fish. It's true that CWD spreads even in areas where baiting is prohibited, and baiting bans alone won't stop CWD, and I know it's frustrating when hunters lose that strategy to bag deer. At the same time, we know that baiting unnaturally congregates deer, It unnaturally shrinks their home ranges, increases home range overlap, and condenses feeding areas, which is why the North Dakota Game and Fish Department, as well as many, many, many other Game and Fish Departments, wants the authority to ban baiting in certain areas when they deem it necessary. Now, even though we know that baiting-associated behavior helps spread disease, and not just chronic wasting disease, People still say stuff like, yeah, but, you know, deer follow each other around and deer use licking branches and deer sniff each other during the rut. So why stop baiting? Well, it's real simple. Uh, It's because we can. That's something we can do. And we can't ask deer to quit licking each other. Right? I mean, we can, but they're not going to do it. 
It's something we can do. It's a tool that we can manipulate amongst a bunch of other things that we just cannot. It's pretty darn simple when you think about it. Now, if that tool doesn't work, Fishing Game can turn that tool back on. But if you give that job to the state legislature, well, laws are much harder to change than regulations. As old Jim Heffelfinger pointed out in a great article for the NRA's Hunter's Leadership Forum, the Chronic Wasting Disease Research and Management Act was supported by virtually every conservation organization, including the National Rifle Association. It doesn't make much sense to support more funding for CWD management if we're going to hamstring our game and fish agencies from managing. That's just my two cents. If you'd like to weigh in, and I encourage you to do so, look up House Bill 1151, it's a very short read, or visit themeateater.com forward slash cal. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening, and remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com to let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. And don't forget to go to www.steeldealers.com Do find a local, knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They'll get you set up with what you need, and they won't try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.